0: Good evening and welcome to tonight's broadcast of Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed, of course. I'm broadcasting from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. It is March the 25th in the year 2020, and I'm so glad that you could join us tonight. Um, Tonight, we are changing it up a bit. I'm going back to including music in my format, and I hope that you enjoy it. I call it the Michael Bayston uh, format. I uh, call it that because when I used to work a construction job, me and my brother worked at the same place, and we would always listen to Michael Bayston, and, and it wasn't just because of the music that he would play, you know, that old school hip-hop and R&B, but also he would have discussions about very serious issues. Uh You know, he was one of the few mainstream media hosts. I think he was with CBS Radio or was syndicated by CBS Radio at the time. And he, you know, uh, brought to his listeners the story about the Genesis 6 down there in Louisiana where those young men were arrested. I, I kind of forget the details because that was like back in 2007 or 2008. But I just like the way that he mixed it up, you know, uh, because a lot of people, they don't listen to talk radio, but you throw some music in there and... They will tune in and and they will listen. Um, And so that's what I plan to do going forward in the future with BTR News. Share some old school hip hop and r and B. I'm I'm, I'm sorry for the young folks. Uh, I don't play that new school stuff. I I just don't. I, I just can't get with it. I'm not saying there isn't any good music being made today, but it's a lot of uh, auto-tune and, and all that kind of stuff going on and there is some good underground music uh, in terms of hip-hop and R&B that's being played and uh, certainly I'll try to get plugged in and bring some of those uh, tracks back because I have a few of them um, but yeah, so that'll be what's going on going forward, but tonight uh, we'll be talking about coronavirus of course and I imagine I'll be giving you constant updates on my podcast and my live broadcast but uh this COVID-19 is something that you should be taking very 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 serious you know on social media I see I'm connected to like thousands of people who either follow me or I follow them or we're friends Facebook friends and what have you um we don't have that many people in BTR community and we don't know what y'all waiting on to come join us. Um, But BTR community, you know, we talk about stuff in there and post uh different articles, but I've been paying a lot of attention uh, to what people um have been posting on social media as it relates to this pandemic. And it is a pandemic and some people taking it serious. Some people are not taking it serious and um, I hope that you all in this listening audience is taking it serious and taking it serious. And I'm just so thankful, you know, uh, for Sister Cece, who used to be the host of Black and Business Radio. And she'll be coming back with a podcast here shortly. But she is the one to introduce me to uh, Dave Wren down there. Um, we was in L.A. at the time, but he lives in Texas now. He used to do Tando Radio Show from Monday and Friday uh Monday through Friday uh in the mornings. Uh but he took a new position and he's no longer able to do the show. But he will come on BTR News uh as you regular listeners know. He uh day comes on from time to time and he's best, especially been coming on with this COVID, you know, virus going around. But for years that's what um was discussed on Tando is prepping, preparing preparing for natural disasters, preparing for man-made disasters, just being prepared and, and, you know, for just these times that we're seeing now. And, you know, so I hope that you all were, who heard that program, Tando Radio Show, I hope that you heeded, you know, the advice and the suggestions that was being uh, made on that program. And a few people have gotten with me or or, or sent me messages and saying, you know, that even if they weren't able to get everything that they needed, uh, they were able to get a lot of things. And so, you know, in order for preparing and they, they prepared, you know, and they're I imagine, you know, getting a few items that they are, are missing uh, in their uh, preparation or as Dave calls it, the table of preparation and, and continue to uh, set that table. All right. So, the first thing first news item that I want to talk about um is uh, obviously this coronavirus. And it appears that the World Health Organization um is about to deem the United States as the next coronavirus epicenter. Um it was in China where it is thought, I don't know for sure, who knows these things, but it was reported that China was the epicenter uh, but now um, you have more cases outside of China than you have inside of China and China seems if we believe the reporting to have gotten a handle on it and there's not a whole lot of new cases popping up but I would say they seem to be more prepared to handle it than a lot of these other uh, western nations uh, out there and, and so Europe became uh, a- epicenter Italy the number one European country with with the most cases of coronavirus um you know and, and they had a lot of cases in South Korea as well but I think Italy um, has been been the one with the most new cases I was reading a story the other night that overnight Italy saw 500 deaths and I forget how many thousands of uh, extra cases. Um, I don't want to cite a figure that's incorrect, but it was in a 1,000. I don't know if it was one thousand, two thousand, six thousand new cases. Um, I just can't remember right now, but I do know there were 500 deaths. And I talked to Dave about that. I had an opportunity to talk to him uh, earlier today. I, um, no, that was yesterday. I called to check in on him to see how him and his family is faring. And um, we also would like to hear from you. Tonight, but you know, we talked about some of those deaths. I don't know. I don't know what they know for certain. Um, if all of those 500 deaths were because of coronavirus or COVID 19 infections, some of them could have been that some people weren't prepared. And so they broke into somebody's house or went on somebody's property and, and they stole something. Now I I don't I don't have any reports of that, but you know, as Angel who does Victims to Victorious, the gun violence um, show that focuses on the pandemic of gun violence here in the United States and particularly in the Black community, um, she did her last um, podcast is posted. You should check it out. It's very. Uh, worth listening, where she was talking about killing me softly, you know, when diseases and guns take aim. And here in the United States is part of, um, you know, the response, and I'm talking about the people's response and not the government response, has been to purchase a lot of weapons and to purchase ammo to protect what they have. In case it gets really, really bad and we're like in a walking dead scenario, you know, uh, uh, where, where everything is shut down uh, like it is in a lot of different uh, locations across the United States. And one of our stories that we'll be sharing later on. You know, the governor of Texas talking about sacrificing elderly people to the altar of capitalism because you got to keep the economy going. We're not going to issue a stay in place order. And the same thing with uh, and, and, and uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Yeah, he's the lieutenant governor. And we got his comments for you. I'll play them later in the program. But, um, you know, he's the one that said that. And then the Republican governor of Florida um Ron DeSantis pretty much said the same thing and it's like some emergency personnel is, is asking this man to use common sense and to issue a stay in place order. You know, I, I, I live in a very rural county um just probably about ten minutes away from Charlotte. It probably yeah it, it it probably take me ten minutes to take a back road uh into Charlotte um, but Mecklenburg County is really just across the Catawba River. And that's where Charlotte is located. But Charlotte issued a stay-at-home uh, shelter-in-place order for the city. Um, they said that unless you're going to your job, unless you're going to the doctor's office, unless you're going to get medicine from the pharmacy, unless you're going to the grocery store, um, that you need to stay at, at home. And if you out and about wandering around, that they will talk to you. The police will stop you and ask you what you're doing out and where you're going. And if you're just out and about without a good reason, they plan on either issuing you a ticket or arresting you if you are uncooperative. And the last pace you want to be, as we talked about on New Abolitionist Radio uh, this past Sunday, That's the last place you want to be, is in a jail during a pandemic, okay? So, please take this very serious, but um, here's a clip that I found online, um, and it's going to talk about that story, but also um, the $2 trillion stimulus package, which I have some details on that. It hasn't been signed by President Trump yet. Um, But it seems that the House and the Senate, you know, the House is controlled by the Democrats and the Senate is controlled by the Republicans. They had a majority. And but um, they seem to have agreed on a bailout or stimulus package. And but it hasn't reached President Trump's desk yet for his signature, unless he signed it in the past three hours where, you know, I was trying to get my program together and laid out. Uh, what I wanted to discuss tonight, Um, but here is a, I I, I can't remember who did this, and I'll probably find out afterwards, or we'll hear during um, this video, um, who it's from, okay, because I always like to credit the the producers, uh, no matter what I'm sharing, all right, so this is titled Corona's Next Epicenter, and it's going to give you some news about the $2 trillion stimulus package.
1: The coronavirus outbreak in New York City in the United States is so severe that White House officials have called on anyone who's recently left the city to self-isolate for two weeks. More than 15,000 cases have been confirmed in New York and around 200 deaths. It's been in lockdown since Sunday, and state officials are pleading
2: for help but preparing for the worst. People in one of America's most densely populated cities have largely vanished from sight they're either following orders to stay home or they've left the city. Those who have are now being asked to self-quarantine for 14 days. That's because nearly half of all U.S. COVID-19 cases are in New York State. Officials there say the figure could double every three days. That would mean in less than one week, New York could have more cases than all of China. State Governor Andrew Cuomo was blunt about the, quote, troubling and astronomical rise in numbers.
3: We're not slowing it, and it is accelerating on its own. We were looking at a freight train coming across the country. We're now looking at a bullet train because the numbers are going up that quickly.
2: Cuomo said New York may need as many as 40,000 intensive care unit beds in the next few weeks. It has just 3,000. He asked the federal government to send as many as 20,000 ventilators. The Trump administration has said it's sending 4,000 and that the private sector is stepping up to meet the crisis.
3: We're receiving full cooperation from companies with the understanding that the federal government stands ready to compel cooperation if need be. We haven't found that to be
2: the case. Ford, 3M, and GE have all said they're looking at ways to boost production of masks and other critical supplies for health workers. The pandemic's economic impact may dwarf previous crises. Trump officials have said up to $6 trillion in relief, more than the entire 2020 federal budget, may become available as Congress works towards a compromise on an economic rescue plan.
3: Liquidity and cash for families, small business, individuals, unemployed, to keep this thing going, we're heading for a rough period, but it's only going to be
2: weeks, we think. Weeks, months, not going to be years, that's for sure. What's for sure is a moving target. A rapidly spreading outbreak means more airplanes sit empty while more hospitals fill up, with no clear end in sight.
1: Well, the massive uh, stimulus package you just heard about, currently going through Congress, has got Wall Street excited. The Dow Jones surged by more than 11% on Tuesday, its biggest gain since 1933. Right now, Asian markets are following suit. Shares in Tokyo have jumped by more than 5.5%. Shanghai and Hong Kong exchanges are also seeing gains. Among the items agreed, adults could receive direct deposits of up to $1,200, $500 for children. The government will support small businesses with loans to the tune of $367 billion, and hospitals will receive around $150 billion in aid. There'll also be half a trillion uh, in guaranteed subsidised loans to larger businesses. And More from DW Financial reporter Chelsea Delaney in Frankfurt. Welcome, Chelsea. So how does this package differ from the one that was voted down on Monday?
4: Well, we're still awaiting the, the full text of, of this bill. That's expected later in the day. Uh, but one of the big sticking points had been oversight of this $500 billion that's going to be helping big business. Uh, Democrats wanted there to be uh, more oversight of that. And it does appear that they have gotten uh, a concession on that. The Democrats have said that the money, especially the $50 billion that's going to go directly to airlines, this is going to be overseen uh, by a congressional panel. And the inspector general some of the other changes that uh, that Democrats uh, got through this negotiation process was more money for local and state governments more money for the the health care and hospital system and also stronger unemployment uh, measures for people who lose their jobs through this crisis so previously there had been three months of of, uh, unemployment insurance now they're going to get four and this can also uh, be extended to, to gig economy workers so something like an uber driver
1: And how are markets reacting?
4: Well, the DAX just opened up here in Frankfurt. It's up about 2.5% right now. Uh, Wall Street futures are also pointing a bit higher. Um, it's it's hard to tell right now if this is going to be the beginning of a of a longer uh, upswing for markets, but there's clearly been a disconnect in the past few days between uh, the, the really dire numbers we're seeing in terms of the spread of this virus and the economic damage and these big gains in stock markets as people focused on stimulus. The stimulus measures are crucial, they're going to be huge, and it's going to help businesses and and workers get through this crisis. But uh, I think now that governments have sort of played their hand, investors are going to go back to focusing on the reality of the situation, which is that the outbreak is not contained. We don't know how long these shutdowns are going to last and what the economic damage is really going to be.
1: Chelsea Delaney in Frankfurt. Thank you. So let's join DW financial correspondent Song Han Su in Taipei. Welcome, Su. Asian markets have been up for two days. Does this mean things are looking better now?
5: Well, some positive emerged and we see Asian markets were up after the U.S. Federal Reserve promised support to this struggling economy. And the U.S. Congress is close to this $2 trillion aid package. So many traders, they are encouraged by these promises. But most Asian investors, they are still worried that the worst of the COVID-19 has yet to come. And they, they believe that it will ultimately lead to exit price inflation and financial repression. It makes sense because it takes a leap of faith when we see companies losing 50 to 90% of their earnings and faced um, difficult situation. So we can expect uh, an uncertain period for the next six to 12 months.
1: Okay. So what about uh, China? They've lifted the travel ban in Hubei province where the pandemic began and uh, more and more people are going back to work. So does this mean the coronavirus is under control there?
5: Well, in a way, yes, but many people are skeptical about the real situation in China and people are watching closely to see if there will be the second wave of this outbreak. And it's difficult for any leader now to tell the people to chillax because this pandemic has just caused too serious of a damage. It's a health crisis uh, leading to a crisis confidence and leading to um, consumption collapsing and demand destruction and um, economic crisis. So it just uh, takes a lot of effort for people to regain confidence. So um, it's just a very difficult time now, even for China.
1: Song Hansu in Taipei, thank you.
5: Well, as you just
1: heard, uh, travel restrictions in China are being lifted from today in Hubei province, where the coronavirus pandemic began in December. Trains have started running again, although they're not yet carrying many passengers. Stations are opening up across the province, except in the city of Wuhan, where the coronavirus was first detected. The car drivers there are still being tested, and it'll be another two weeks before Wuhan sees its restrictions lifted. It's not only in Hubei, where people are now free to go out and about, One family in Beijing is relishing the freedom to roam after weeks cooped up in their apartment.
6: Zhou Kai is finally allowed to run around again. He and his family spent seven weeks in voluntary lockdown in their Beijing apartment. His mother and grandmother are still uneasy and wear masks like everyone else. But at least they can finally go outside. I'm so happy. It can really drive you crazy. I was indoors for almost two months. It's especially hard on children. We adults are able to deal with it better. But staying home this long is not healthy for the body or the mind. But Zhou Kai's daily routine still excludes other children. Schools remain closed, and playdates are still off-limits. It doesn't really feel that unusual... But I do miss playing with my friends. Out on the streets, there are more signs of life. Much less than before the coronavirus, but Beijing no longer resembles a ghost town. China's leadership now plans to restart the economy. On state run television, Premier Li speaks via video conference with Chinese companies. China is facing a major downturn in its export sector and in retail. The service industry in major cities is also experiencing a slump, says economics expert Dan Wang. Overall, many businesses are not yet operating normally. China's leadership wants to speed things up, but there's some pushback.
7: Central government is trying everything they could to urge people to go back to work. But when it comes to local governments, they have every incentive to prevent people and the factories uh, from Back to full capacity for a simple reason if the infection cases go up uh, their political career is over the economy
0: okay i'm gonna leave it there um that's from dw and you can follow them follow them on youtube uh, i believe it's a youtube only uh foreign broadcast i'm not sure where where it's based it might be based in the UK, But lots of good information was shared there. You know, one of the things that stuck out to me was the woman who was out with her little boy uh, after some of the restrictions had been lifted. And she was talking about being indoors like that, being stuck in an apartment like that can really affect your mind and, and your mental health. Now, think about that. In terms of the United States prison system and, and the jail system where people are indoors in 24 7 in a lot of cases. And then think about why um, solitary confinement, which is a very tiny, tiny, tiny cell, um, drives people crazy in the international health community, views solitary confinement as torture. Okay? Um, and another thing that stood out to me, of course, it wouldn't stand out to you because you weren't able to see the video. Um, but I do have all of these videos posted in Btrcommunity dot com. So if you're not a member, you can find them there by joining. And that's uh twenty four dollars a year subscription, just one of the creative ways that we're trying to um raise funds uh since we don't take corporate money and um in finding grants for this type of platform is very been very very hard um but the thing that stood out from the video is when you saw chinese officials um gathered together and speaking and what have you they all had on face masks now in contrast that with the, when Donald Trump gives a press conference or anybody gives a press conference, um, not to be picking on Donald Trump because I'm a very nonpartisan, uh, type person. I'm for the truth no matter who tell it, um, like, like Malcolm X said, but, um, he's standing there at the podium. I've seen Ben Carson giving some, um, some press conferences and I've seen Bernie Sanders on YouTube. I've seen, uh, Joe Biden on YouTube and they're not wearing masks. They're not meant wearing masks. Now I don't know who's in the room with uh, uh, Joe Biden and the others, but why do you think, think about this in terms of psychology. I think they're not wearing those masks for psychological reasons. And I believe in the case of Donald Trump, perhaps um, Ben Carson and other members of the administration, um I believe they're doing that because they don't want that image in people's head because it's affecting capitalism. Cause that's really what they're trying to save right now. Okay. Um, they're trying to say they're putting a lot of focus on saving capitalism as opposed to saving lives. Um, and that's just my view and the way I see it. But if you want to take this, if you want the public to really take this serious, and to do everything that they should do in, in taking precautions and not contracting the virus and then spreading it to others, you would think that they would be wearing those masks. It is it, The imagery is vastly different than these Chinese officials and American uh, officials or U.S. officials. And you know, I have to say though, it does seem like a lot of different people or officials in the United States, not just Donald Trump, and we'll get to uh, some of these other officials as I mentioned at the top of the hour. But they're not taking it serious. They're not taking it serious, and their motivating factor in not taking it serious is is saving capitalism. That's what they're talking about uh, when they're talking about the economy. They're trying to save the wealthy's fortunes, and what have you. Um, so that's just sad, though. The people should take this very, very serious. Um, now, the next thing that I want to share share with you, um, actually, is we're going to take a music break. But before I do that, um, let me give out the phone number, because I don't believe I gave it out at the top of the hour. But it was seven. the number 704 704- 802-5056, 704-802-5056. Um, and to unmute yourself, um, just hit star, star on the keypad. The um, auto, the system, the automated system should give you that message. It's a lady that speaks and she gives you uh, those instructions. So again, that number 704-802-5056. If you have a question or comment, Hit star, star. Please watch your background noise and and wait for me to come to you um, before you speak. All right. So as I stated, we're in a new format with BTR uh, News. We're following the Michael Bayston uh, format where we are sharing news, commentary, and views. And we're going to kick it off with one of my favorite groups of all time, and that is Funkadelic. Parliament, Punkadelic, same, same group, I believe, but One day Radio Network. Um, also, I'm interested in hearing from you, our listening audience, and how you're dealing with this pandemic. You know, nothing like this has ever happened in, in my lifetime. I was born in 1966 and I cannot recall anything like this. Um, and of course, you know, Obviously, I wouldn't be able to recall anything that went down like that in the 70s. But I do recall the first time I heard One Nation Under a Groove. (laughs) Uh, Really, I I do. It was a barbershop that had a speaker on the outside and they was playing that song. I was like, oh, man, who is that? And I think I was like 12 years old in in the city of Detroit. But how are y'all dealing with this pandemic? Are you prepared? Um, Have you stocked up? Did you prepare ahead of time? You know, um, as we have for a number of years told people, you know, um, I I used to say every time you go to the store or go to the grocery store, buy one or two canned goods and just put those up separate and save those. Buy some dry beans and, and, and save them. Buy some rice, save it. You know, uh, non-perishable items. Um, and if you took that advice, you would be prepared today, no doubt. Um, you will be prepared. Um, One of the things that I became aware of today is my cousin, one of my cousins, I got a bunch of cousins, hundreds of them, Um, shout out to the Reed and Rankin clan, Um, but I was speaking with my cousin earlier today, and he had went to Bilo in this little town that's just above us called Stanley, and normally a pack of thighs or legs Normally, uh, here and where we live, it's like 4 or $5 a pack. They charged him $12 for a pack of thighs. Are y'all seeing price gouging? And a state of emergency has been declared here in North Carolina by our governor, and that's illegal. Um, from information that was shared with me, and I appreciate everybody who shared information with me, um, but they said that they aren't supposed to go up on their prices more than 10% doing, you know, 10% of what they normally charge. They can tack on an extra 10%, and that's way above 10%. That's like, uh uh you know, up to a three to four times markup, all right? A three hundred percent markup or a two hundred percent mark markup, depending upon you know how much it was. But on average, it you know we get a pack of chicken um, thighs and legs for about four, five, six dollars. Okay, of course they they have different prices. I guess they weigh them and that's how they determine how much. So shame on Bio, shame on Bilo for charging that much for a pack of chicken thighs. And like I told my cousin, he needs to report them. Okay, save his receipt and report them. And if I have an opportunity, which I I, I do go to the grocery store every once in a while because of non-perishable items that that we may need, like milk or eggs or, you know, vegetables, things that's not going to last a long time. And I'm going to go and start filming and taking pictures of what their prices are. And, and what have you. That's just a shame, man. They shouldn't be price gouging people like that during an um, unprecedented uh, period like this in our lifetimes. Now, the reason I say in our lifetime, we have seen a pandemic hit the world and hit the United States back in 1918. The Sp- It was dubbed the Spanish flu. Now, again, some people taking this serious, some people not. Don't panic. Panicking is going to lead you to make bad decisions. Don't get into panic. Don't live in fear, okay? Nothing's going to come of it, all right? Stay calm, remain calm and all that. If you're a person of faith like I am, I lean upon my faith. I know my faith says that it's appointed a time for each person to die. Okay, so that tells me that if it's my time to go, there's nothing I can do to prevent it. but if it's not my time to go, it's nothing that they can do to take me up out of here. So just rely on your faith if, if you have one. and um but if you're not a person of faith, I, I hope you know that you're dealing with it however um, you deal with it. but panicking is not going to get anyone anywhere. But you know, the Spanish flu was like 100 years ago maybe 101 years ago, 1918, so maybe 102 years ago, and a lot of things are different, and millions of people died during that Spanish flu, and, you know, they had the same response, and it did save some people, okay, social distancing, you know, they just didn't invent that just now, that is something that they were telling people, the public to do, Back in 1918 with the Spanish flu. Now, unlike 1918, um, we have a communications network to where you can reach more people than what they could in 1918. Um, I think probably back then they just had radio. I'm I'm not sure if television was invented yet. I believe it was just radio. And I could be mistaken about that. (laughs) Okay, okay. Um, Because my memory is is not that good on remembering a lot of different stuff, the details or the minutiae of a lot of different stuff. But they basically just had radio and newspapers, I believe, in 1918. You know, no doubt they had newspapers. And a lot of stuff was spread word to mouth. Um, You know, uh, I'm sorry, word, you know, uh, word to your ear. I don't know if I said that correctly or not. So I found this video as I was looking for some news that I was going to share tonight. I found this video from ODN News. That's another YouTube only channel, and it produced a pretty constructive video, in my opinion, of comparing the coronavirus versus the Spanish flu, two pandemics, 100 years apart, explained. And so... Please don't be one of those people out there telling people, "Oh, it's just the flu." Well, it's flu-like, but coronavirus belongs to a different family of viruses than the Spanish flu. And the reason they called it novel coronavirus is because it's a new virus that they had never detected, you know, before that's able to be transmitted from human to human. So, you know, let's let's not act like we know everything. Let's show some humility instead of hubris, like we're just so intelligent and we know everything there is to know and this is just the flu. And my grandmama died from the flu, or or X amount of people die from the flu every year. Well that's true. That's true. But I'd rather play it safe than be sorry. Seeing like some people We'll be sorry because they didn't play safe, play it safe, okay? It's more than just your life that's on the line. It's more than just your life. So this is coronavirus versus the Spanish flu. Very constructive information here. Listen to it.
3: The crisis came within the first two to three hours of your sickness. You either survived or you were dead.
8: As the world is gripped by a pandemic unlike any in living memory, it's inevitable that we're talking about global outbreaks from history. One of the deadliest was the Spanish flu, which spread across continents with astonishing speed just over a century ago, killing an estimated 50 million people. But was it anything like the virus we're dealing with today? All of a sudden,
3: as I recall it, out in Kansas... One soldier got the Spanish flu, and from there it gradually spread to various parts of the country.
8: As the First World War drew to a close, outbreaks of deadly influenza had begun in several countries. But wartime censorship meant it was kept secret or brushed off by national governments, helping the spread. That was until the neutral Spanish authorities reported that a strange form of disease of epidemic character had appeared in Madrid. The name Spanish flu stuck, but there's no evidence that that's where it began. Casualties skyrocketed across Europe, and US troops returning from the war brought the disease home. Just like coronavirus, there was no immunity to the new contagion. A survivor of the influenza pandemic recalls the speed with which the virus took hold.
3: When the flu epidemic hit, somebody would ring, let's say they rang the doorbell at 6am in the morning and said, my uh, mother just passed away, I want you to take care of the funeral service. That, before the sunset on that day, that whole family was gone.
8: Perhaps the most terrifying feature of Spanish flu was its virulence among young, otherwise healthy adults. Over 90% of those killed were under 65. That's quite different to the disease we face today, where the elderly and vulnerable are most at risk. Both coronavirus and the Spanish flu are respiratory infections with common symptoms like fever, but they belong to different families of viruses. Symptoms of the COVID-19 illness take several days to appear in most people. The deterioration with Spanish flu was far more rapid.
3: Fortunately we had a very wonderful doctor and he took care of me and he pulled me out through very quickly because as I said the crisis is there. It came with an intense fever and you were gone.
8: The options open to health authorities in 1918 were also limited. Back then, there were no antibiotics and there was no prospect of developing a vaccine. Getting information to people about how to protect themselves was quite difficult. But the measures needed to defeat the virus were strikingly similar to those used today.
3: Everybody wore these face masks, you know, like you see in a surgical room. And you you must remember this. That in the flu epidemic, all congregations and gatherings were forbidden. There were no schools, there were no church services, there were no meetings of any kind. Everything was forbidden of people to come together.
8: Where social distancing was implemented, as in St. Louis, casualties were minimised. In cities where warnings were ignored, or faith was placed entirely in surgical masks, as in San Francisco, thousands died. As today, guidelines that were issued, particularly in army training camps, were easy to ignore and often loosely enforced. Where the dangers of the virus had initially been downplayed, public trust in what the authorities told people was eroded.
3: The memories were so deep in the mind of those that survived or didn't get it that they were they were reticent i would say to about 1922 or thereabouts where people were willing again to go back to congregating and to feel at ease in church or in school
8: The population suffered three waves of Spanish flu over two years and an estimated 500 million people were infected around the globe. It wasn't until 1920 that the virus was considered eradicated. The world might be an entirely different place in 2020, but have we really learned the lessons from a century ago?
0: And that was a video presentation that you heard the audio of uh, coronavirus versus Spanish flu. So um, if there is anything that I will say about the two, the difference between the two is Spanish flu, as you heard, will take you out of here fast. Um, that, you know, within days you will have a very, very high temperature, whereas with COVID virus or COVID-19 it may take days and, you know, the symptoms could come on gradually and that you still would, I guess, have time. Um But then it's also sneaky too. You know, I, I don't know. Again, I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a doctor or anything like that. But I imagine though, you know, um if, if the Spanish flu was taking people out of here quickly because of that real high fever that just came on, you know, like that. And that doesn't seem to be the case with, with COVID nineteen illness. Now, um, again, I hope people are taking this serious as we heard like in St. Louis, they implemented social distancing and then in, in, in nineteen eighteen or during um they said it lasted for like two years, but um, since St. Louis had taken, you know, the precautions and, and um, you know, implemented social distancing, as opposed to San Francisco, which did not implement social distancing, and people just found comfort in a mask, they had very high ca- casualties. Okay, so um, yeah, take this serious, people. Take it very, very serious. And you know, they're still, they still don't know everything there is to know about COVID-19. I was told right before I came on air that on the news tonight, they were saying that a teenager died from it. Now, when the information was first coming out, oh, it's the elderly and what have you that are most susceptible to this. Then a few days ago, I read an article that said 38%, almost 40% of those with positive confirmed cases of COVID-19 were between the ages of 20 and 50, okay? And so um, I think that information should have never been put out. I suspect that's why you saw all these young people acting recklessly and going to the beaches in California and Florida, even though I put the most of the responsibility on the governor, on the mayor, the city council, whatever form of government, um, that they had where those be that had jurisdiction over those beaches, they should have closed them. Okay. Um, but you know, young people, a lot of them, I don't want to besmirch them or anything like that. Some young people are very, very intelligent and, and more mature than what they years, you know, uh, might suggest. And, But there's a lot. We saw thousands of them crowding the beaches of Florida. And now some of them got COVID-19. And I believe it's probably more than just a couple because you had thousands of them out there. But I suspect it was more than just a couple and perhaps some just aren't showing the symptoms yet. So do take this serious. Do take this serious. I do notice I'm not going to call out the telephone number a telephone number keeps calling in and dropping from the board um i don't know if if you're calling in using the internet or if um perhaps you're having carrier issues i do know i have been having internet issues and it could be with everybody at home or a lot of people off work and and self quarantining That the cell towers, because I used to, you know, do that type of work, not just in the military, but I used to work for Sprint PCS. And so it could be too many people are on those uh, particular towers that you may be connected to and you're getting pushed off. Um, But, you know, if you're able, you can go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, go down to the bottom of the page where it lists all the different programs, look for Black Talk Radio News and on that page there's a media player um, well actually on the promo page for tonight's program which will later be hosting the podcast it has several media players that you can use so um, you know in case that's just an issue for you okay so again the phone number 704-802-5056 hit the star key twice if you have a question or comment please watch your background noise we're going to um, take a music break uh, once again Um, Before I take this music break, let me just say thank you. Um, A lot of people are out of work right now. Um, My daughter is one of them. Well, I have three daughters. Um, One of them works at the mall, uh, has worked there for a number of years for a children's uh, clothing um, franchise. And they shut the malls down in Gaston County as they should have. Uh, I don't know what took them so long, but I'm not going to criticize Gaston County because I think their response has been timely, and we don't have a a lot of cases, just two reported cases, Um, but they should have been shut it down. So she's out of work. She's out of work. Um, She needs that stimulus, okay, to pay her rent, um, to make her car payments, to pay her insurance, to pay her cell phone, and uh any other things she she needs to take up she does have to buy food and what have you um and she has a son and so um I'm just hoping you know that this stimulus comes in time um so that she doesn't get behind in, in her bills but you know um I have been calling around trying to find out um different stuff and uh things that are available for people in that situation, and I will bring this young man. I got to do it uh, first thing in the morning. I got to call this young man who runs a nonprofit here in Gaston County called Fly for the Culture. And um, his name is Cortland. And what he what Fly for the Culture culture is, is, is he used to be a Navy pilot. And now he's a commercial pilot. Um, but he takes kids out in these, you know, these little biplanes and what have you to expose them to flying and so that, you know, perhaps they might want to become pilots one day. So he does that. But they have been distributing food as well. Um so, you know, uh I'm I'm proud of what that young man is doing. Um I know known him uh since he was in high school, although he's known my daughter since elementary school. And so I'm proud of what he's been doing through his nonprofit. But I want to thank those because a lot of people out of work who are making donations. We've never had a whole lot of donors, just enough, just enough for me to pay the bills um, that need to be paid in order for us to maintain this platform and the radio stations and what have you. And a couple of people have canceled their monthly donations. And I totally understand that. But there are people who are still giving what they can. And I just want to know, I just want you to know how much is appreciated. Again, we don't take corporate money. um, Very hard to find any of these, um, you know, big philanthropic organizations that provide funding for media. Some reason, you know, it's kind of hard to find uh, media uh, funding for the type of media that we do. All right. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Because I know, you know, we're in an extraordinary time right now and a lot of people are hurting for resources. They don't know how long they might be out of work and what have you. And I I just hope, you know, that as a side effect, the COVID-19 that Black Talk Radio Network doesn't become a casualty. Alright, so we're gonna kick it off with some more news. This is I mean, I'm sorry, with some more music. This is uh one of my favorite tunes. Um, I used to go to this club when I was in my teens, um, little juke joint up in Lincolnton, North Carolina. And every time I would go, I put I would play this song on the jukebox. This is Sherelle featuring Alexander O'Neal. Hey.
3: Okay.
0: Black Talk Radio since 2008, providing new black media for the masses. And welcome back to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed as I sit behind this mic behind the enemy lines of USA, Inc. Again, you know, if you have a question or comment, you can call in. um, Tell us how you're doing, how you're dealing with this pandemic. And it is a pandemic. It's a global pandemic. You know, I've been calling um, some of the people I work with and some of the other hosts just to check on them, see how they're doing. Um, some of the listeners that that call me on our business line to see how I'm doing, I call them back. And um, thus far, everybody seems to be doing fine. I was really concerned about Tag, uh, who helps host New Abolitionist Radio, one of the rotating hosts on Sunday nights at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern time because when we were um, you know, preparing... Um, in the day before on that Saturday and he wasn't feeling all that well. And he shares an apartment with other people and they weren't feeling well either. I was like, oh my God, don't let him be um, sick from this COVID-19 because it's hitting New York City hard. It's hitting it real hard. But I talked to him, you know, uh, Monday or Tuesday and he says he's feeling a lot better. Um, hasn't been tested or anything. I don't think anybody's been tested. And it's kind of hard to get tested depending upon where you are. Um, I know I don't have any symptoms and I don't plan on catching COVID-19, but who does? Who does plan on catching it? But anyway, at least I'm one of the few people that can go get free healthcare and go get COVID testing if I'm showing symptoms at the VA hospital. In Charlotte, but I'm not, I, again, I don't live in fear. I'm not going to panic and go running over there. Oh, give me a test and all of that when the tests are limited resource in the United States. And, and that, I don't want to be using up resources that I don't need, okay? I live in a rural area. Um, our houses are not right up on top of each other. Lots of space, lots of fresh air, And so I've been practicing social distancing for quite some time. Um, So, yeah, um, but there's a lot of people, millions of people, millions in this country because of this system, this inhumane system that don't have health care. They don't have a means to get tested. So just do the best that you can and know that you all are in my prayers now. I'm going to switch gears for a moment. Um, And um, by no means am I done talking about COVID-19. I do have other information to share, but I'm going to switch gears for a moment. Because this story, you know, came out. I've talked about it on uh, social media. Not a whole lot, but I might make a comment here or there about Andrew Gilliam. Um, who who is the former mayor of Tallahassee in Florida, and is um, they say narrowly lost to Ron DeSantis, who we'll be talking about a little later as well in terms of his negligence in responding to COVID nineteen. But that's who Andrew Gill- Gillum is, um, and you might have seen him on CNN. I think he was a CNN contributor. Um and um, you know, so he was like a rising star in the Democratic Party and he was a progressive. I mean, if Bernie Sanders campaigned for this dude, he had to be uh, uh supporting progressive policies and and not a neoliberal, although he held neoliberal positions. He does take money from APAC. He does not seem to to care much for the human rights of the Palestinians who are who are occupied by Israel and, and being treated brutally, being murdered and, and through various means. Um, but I was disappointed to find that out that he was taking money from APAC. Um, and they give to both sides of the aisle and they always have these presidential candidates which Bernie Sanders wouldn't go. Ron Paul is another person that comes to mind that wouldn't go. But every presidential candidate was expected to go down there and, and kiss their behind and tell them what they're going to do for Israel, okay, um, which is a welfare state, okay? It's a client welfare state of the United States. Our taxpayers support a lot of that apartheid that they're doing over there and funding, giving them military weapons to, to murder unarmed people who are peacefully marching um, remember the right of return so I was disappointed in him about that Um, but I really didn't know much about him because again you know he's, he's a Florida politician he wasn't really in the national spotlight until he ran for governor of Florida so if you haven't heard the news Mr. Gillum was supposed to go to a wedding and officiate the wedding uh, what may, I mean, I thought he was just supposed to attend when I first read the story, but the people wedding that it was and his friends said he didn't show up, but he did show up to a hotel room that another man paid for and the other man wasn't there and he is the one who came and discovered Andrew in the room with this guy who has been described in in most media reports as a male escort of the gay variety. Okay? And so when the man came there, he had given the guy, I don't know his name, but gave the guy um, who on his profile listed himself also as a porno star, but um, he had gave this guy the one that found him uh, gave this guy his credit card information to rent the room. And he was supposed to meet him at the room later. And he didn't get to the room till 11 o'clock that night. And upon entering the room, according to the reports, the, um, the guy being described as a gay escort slash porno star, opened the door, um, was naked, opened the door, And then, you know, was very, very sick, fell on the bed, throwed up, or no, fell on the floor, threw up, then tried to get on the bed, threw up again. And Andrew, now um, some people are saying that he was naked too, um, saying that there were photos released of him in there naked. I don't know how true that is, but he was in the room. That has been confirmed that he would run into the bathroom to throw up. Now, that man who had rented the room saw that the guy that he had rented, because this guy also had a profile on rentmen.com. So, the guy that he had rented was Odin, And so, he called the police or called 911. Now, other people are saying this is a setup. How is this a setup? That man did what he was supposed to do in calling 911. You see that this person is having an overdose, and you just go walk out the room and shut the door, and he dies, and they find out that you was there, and you could have saved this man's life. In the very least, they could charge you with voluntary manslaughter, okay? Not involuntary, but voluntary manslaughter. So that man did everything he 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 was supposed to do that. Oh, by the way, they also found three bags of of uh, what was believed to be crystal meth, and a bunch of paint, uh, uh, prescription bottles, and what have you. So, some people are saying this was a setup. No, this wasn't no setup. This wasn't uh, uh um like what happened to Marion Barry, who was no longer with us, passed away some time ago who apparently had a a crack addiction. Okay? And there's a lot of people that suffer from drug addiction. And I don't think people should be going to jail over it. I think they should get the help that they need. And, I, and and it's just too bad that again, if you don't have the insurance, if you don't have the resources, you can't get that help. So, I'm I'm not trashing anybody that's using drugs or or anything like that. So don't take it like that. Okay? Don't take it like that. But Mary and Barry apparently had a crack habit and and the FBI must've found out from some of his political enemies and they set up a sting using, I, I don't know if the woman was a sex worker or, or not. I don't recall at the time, but somehow they got her to get him in a motel room. And then, you know, apparently they had set up surveillance in there And then, you know, he got busted. He got busted in there smoking crack with a sex worker. That's a setup. That's what you call a setup. This doesn't seem this. I've seen no evidence to suggest that this is a setup. And just cause he was a black politician, a rising star in the Democratic Party. Oh, they just had to stop him. I mean, what evidence do you have for that? Okay. Show me the evidence. I'm an evidence-based person. Yeah, it's okay to speculate sometimes, but make a, make make it clear that you're just speculating and you don't really have no evidence other than circumstantial evidence, okay? So, based off the circumstance, I will speculate, and I will just, and it's not a joking manner, but sometimes we do... And I expect Dave Chappelle to include this in his next skit. (laughs) That's the country we live in, and you know? Um, So, just glad nobody died. But this person was on social media talking about, oh, this was a setup and and this and that. And I was like, you know what? You right, it was a setup. That man came to his room that he rented and he found Andrew with his man that he rented. And he got mad and he called the police. Yeah, it was a setup. And so I was just just joking and being cynical because people just, I mean, setups do happen. Conspiracies are not out of the norm. All they take is two people plotting to do something and then you got a conspiracy and they happen all the time, including government conspiracies and what have you. So, uh, 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 but sometimes it is exactly how it looks. Okay, it is exactly how it looks. Now, I saw this headline. I'm gonna share some of the excerpts from this article written by Bruce C.T. Wright for News One. And again, all my stuff is linked up in btrcommunity.com. Become a member and help support um, the platform, so that we don't die from coronavirus uh, pandemic. The platform that is, all right. Um, but you'll find all my links and, and videos and stuff there uh, if you want access to them. But anyway, this is the title of this article: Black life in moments of pain and terror has long been delectable to the American palate. And I'm like, wow, that headline. Let me read this article. So I just copied a couple of the excerpts and I will share those excerpts with you. And just up front, I am not in agreement with a lot of what you will hear here in this article. But it says, um, and again, it's, I'm not starting from the beginning because it was a very long article. I just got um, you know, the highlights of the article. What followed, and when they say what followed was when he got busted um, or he got exposed for that lifestyle that he was living. Um, Anyway, what followed was an onslaught of news coverage that left some critics feeling uncomfortable with Gillum's portrayal as a philandering substance abuser as opposed to a very real human who admittedly has some personal struggles following a high-profile close loss in Florida's 2018 gubernatorial election. So I'm going to stop there. No, let me just finish out the paragraph. It didn't help that the aforementioned narrative had been fueled in part by black conservatives looking to further endear themselves to the white power structure that they readily subscribe to. So again, I'm a nonpartisan person and as a writer myself, in a, in a political pundit myself, I look at these things objectively. I don't allow my skin color to color my views, okay? I don't have a political affiliation to, to no political party. I'm an unaffiliated voter and have been since 1990, okay? I, I'm not going to... But that's what's being done here. They're playing politics with this, okay? And so how long have we seen people make jokes about this kind of stuff? You know, a philandering substance abuser and, and all of that. I mean, we see it all day and we see it in black, black produced media. And I'm not talking about all corporate media, but some of these underground sites or I should say alternative media sites, blogs and stuff like that. So let's not play like, only black conservatives be clowning people in these situations. You playing politics, Mr. Wright. Okay? And it seems to me that Mr. Gilliam, by his endorsement of Israel's inhumane apartheid policy against the non white Palestinians, was him endearing himself to the white power structure. Okay? This is, let me put, I came up with this term. I came up with this term to describe where people racialize things that don't need to be racialized because racism sells, just like sex sells. and, And pornography is the most popular form of media in the United States, if not the world, okay? And so a lot of people are addicted To reading about racism and hearing about racism, and a lot of people who produce media will inject race where there doesn't need to be an issue just so they could get those clicks or just so that they could get those listeners. I call them race porn producers. Yes, we need to report on racism. We need to you know, inform people about situations involving racism. We need to talk about institutional racism. We we need to talk about it. But we don't need to racialize everything where it just doesn't need to be. There's no racism involved here, in my opinion, unless some of these uh, uh, racist white people is talking about him being a black man getting with a white man and, and race mixing and stuff like that. But in terms of this article, I'm calling it race porn. It goes on. I was precisely, it was precisely that type of news coverage that prompted the penning of an open letter to Gillum black men, which I am one and the media, which I'm a part of in an effort to encourage support for the former mayor and his family, And at the same time, be our brother's keeper and be the change in which we seek, quote unquote. No one is, quote, irredeemable, wrote Preston Mitchum and Michael Seabury in their open letter that they published on Monday afternoon and invited other black men to sign. Well, I'm not going to sign it. I'm not going to sign it. This man has all the support he needs. This man is checked himself into rehab for a drug addiction and what have you. So um he's getting a professional support that he needs. Well, let me back up because I misspoke there. He said he wasn't doing no drugs. He said he was drunk. Now I wasn't there, but I have I do have well one of them passed away that I observed closely. A uncle um, who's dead now um, who was a crack addict. And when I go to my old, my grandfather's on my father's side house in Charlotte, sometimes me and my father would go by there to check on the house and check on him because we knew he was a crackhead. And there'd be other crack addicts in there and stuff like that. And, And so I observed up front people smoking crack. And crack is a, a methamphetamine just like crystal meth is. And they wouldn't be able to talk sometimes. Sometimes we, we'd be, you know, trying to talk to them and they can't talk. Their mouth would be moving, but no words would be coming out. Because they then took that hit. And they, That's what, hey, I'm just telling you what I saw. I have never seen a person unable to speak, as was reported. Mr. Gillum was unable to answer any questions from the police because he was in, what what is the word they use, inebriated. So they just let him chill out. The paramedics then checked his vitals. When his vitals was normal, they allowed him to go home. And, you know, we know, though, and I'm not calling, I'm not saying they should have been arrested. The drug war should be ended because it's really a war on people. And, and but I do know if it had been two regular, or excuse me, if it had been regular individuals that got caught in a hotel room with a possible overdose victim and uh, um, drugs were found in the room, everybody going to jail. I just know, if that had been me, let's say, for example, even though I wasn't smoking crack and the police came into to my uh, grandfather's house where my uncle was living at the time and they came up in there and did a raid and, and I was going to go to jail. Whether I was high or not, whether I had anything on me or not, I would have been, me and my dad would have been going to jail. And y'all know that's the case. So he was cut a break. And then, you know, talking about setting somebody up in a setup. You don't get to go home and not be arrested. If this was a political setup or somebody was trying to get him in trouble or, or whatever, I, I don't know. I don't. It doesn't appear, the evidence doesn't suggest this was a setup. It suggests it was an unfortunate circumstance that he put himself into. And because the other guy od the other guy called the 911 and Mr. Gilliam, um, you know, was exposed for being there, so I'm all about being my brother's keeper, okay, but you can't keep everybody from harming themselves, and so I'm just saying, what can I do by signing a letter, and of course, nobody's irredeemable, but certainly this society uh, treats prisoners as being irredeemable, makes them second-class citizens and makes it that much harder for them to integrate back into society. Now, again, I don't know Mr. Gilliam's politics. I, heard, I read that Bernie Sanders did campaign for him. And so if Bernie Sanders was campaigning for you, you must be a progressive. Okay? So it's just a shame. You know, and then this stuff about, well, he... He had lost the close election. Come on, man. It really, that's going to drive people to use drugs? That's going to drive them into the arms of a sex worker and not into the arms of their wife? Y'all just trying too hard. Y'all trying too hard with this race porn. Come on now. Now, Mitchum, it goes on, Mitchum, an adjunct professor of law at Georgetown Law Center who describes himself as an unapologetically black and queer civil rights advocate, public speaker, writer, and professor, told News One in an email Monday night that all media has a role to play, but he cautioned white mainstream media, in particular, must be careful in how it displays black people in our bodies and isn't something that, uh, excuse me, let me read that again. White mainstream media in particular must be careful in how it displays black people in our bodies and isn't something they are often forced to do. Okay, listen here. Again, you trying too hard. These people are trying too hard to make this about race, okay? They're trying too hard. The media in this country don't care about your skin color. If it's a story that's going to drive clicks to their website, they're going to publish it. Now, I don't remember the woman's name, but I did report on it. I did do a podcast on it. But y'all remember, you may remember, there was a white woman who was a congressperson, a sitting congressperson. She was new to Congress, matter of fact. A Democrat in California who her and her husband were swingers is the best way I can describe the relationship. It was like an open relationship. And she was actually in a relationship with one of her staffers, which was unethical and what have you. But she allowed her husband to take photographs, or who I don't know who took the photographs, but they took photographs of her naked, hitting a hitting a uh, cannabis bong, all right, smoking weed, and um, you know, hugged up with another woman and all this, and and they published them naked pictures. Of course, they blurred out her nipples and and you know her her vajayjay, well, however y'all want to call it, um, but um, they published those. And she was forced to resign because it was revealed that she was getting down with one of her congressional staffers and, and that was viewed as being unethical. We see them all the time exploiting people's bodies. The only reason that young girl, that 16-year-old girl, what's that girl now? I can't think, Dr. Field girl, you know, cash me outside a uh, girl, I, I can't remember her name right now, but she's a little rapper now. Now if that little girl didn't have the body that she had. They, they would, she wouldn't be no worldwide rapper. If she was a flat chested, flat butted teenager, they wouldn't be. She wouldn't be no rap star and flying all around the world making all this money. All right, come on, y'all, sex and media, media and sex, sales. And all, everybody is exploited. And some people exploit themselves. You know, and and then you won't say, talk about black bodies or whatnot. The girl named Lizzo, the overweight, obese, and a lot of Americans are obese, so I'm not name calling, I'm just making a statement of fact. But she can sing. But she likes to flaunt her body and and all of that. And people were criticizing her saying, you know, you're really presenting an unhealthy image to our our children and what have you. And she showed up at an NBA game with some kind of outfit on with the butt cheeks cut out. That's self-exploitation. We know when we look at Nicki Minaj or as Quabiner would say, Nikki Garbage Man, she she came into the game exploiting her body. Now if you're old school hip hop head and I don't even know well I guess it was the eighties or the nineties we can qualify that. Can we qualify nineties as nineteen ninety as old school? I, I guess so, right? Um yeah, but uh Queen B. Queen B, now nah, I even forgot her name you, uh, was with the what uh, rolling with Biggie Smalls. Y'all know who, who I'm talking about. She go by Queen B. There's only a few female rappers that did not allow the industry to exploit their bodies like that. So this is, I mean, are you calling out entertainment media for ex- quote unquote? Exploiting black bodies or how it displays black people. Are you calling them out? I know I do. I know Brother Kwaban Clear the Airways project does. And more importantly, we point out the filthy lyrics. Talking about killing people and drugging people and selling drugs and running running trains on women and, and just so disrespectful. I don't I don't hear nobody in mainstream media, black media, white media, any of them talking about, oh, you know, y'all gotta be careful of how y'all display black people in our bodies. Come on, y'all. Let's keep it real. I'm for the truth no matter who tell it. I'm for justice no matter who it's for, as Malcolm X said. This is race porn. And it's like the, the fable the little boy who cried wolf. You want to keep pushing all this race porn and, and, and where it isn't racist. And then what do you do? You desensitize people to actual acts of racism. Oh, they screaming about racism again. Pay them no mind. You know, the last time they said something was racist and then we got the facts and they wasn't racist at all. So, you know, next time they come along, let's not even listen to them. Pay them no mind. That That's a race porn producer. Or that's somebody that lives in perpetual victimhood. I'm a victim of racism and, and that's my identity. And I'm going to call everything racist. And I'm not going to even look at the evidence. I'm just going to make the evidence fit. My theories or what have you. Come on, y'all. You actually actually making it more difficult to address racism. Because you're desensitizing people. It's very, very important to address racism in the media. Address racism in writing. You know. In this society, to cover it all, but when you crying wolf at every turn, man ain't nobody gonna take you serious no more. They don't be like, oh, there's that, there's that whiner again. That person always trying to play the race card. They already to say they say those certain things. So I, I'm saying to black media writers like Bruce C. T. Wright, I'm saying to Mister Mitchell. Mitchum, uh, a professor of law at Georgetown Law Center, stop, stop it, just stop with the race porn, just stop it. You ain't calling out every naked display of a black body, then don't try to play politics because this dude is is a politician. Don't try to, you know, drum up sympathy. I already got sympathy for him. He might have just lost his wife. And by the way, I hope his wife get tested for HIV. I don't know if this guy was on the down low. I don't know. I wasn't in that room. I don't know if he had sex with that man. I don't know. They ain't showed no pictures. No photos came out of any used condoms or, or what have you. I don't know. Maybe they was going bareback. I don't know. But I have sympathy for him in that he allowed... His impulses to take control, and if he needed help, he didn't go get the proper help that he needed. But again, I don't know. He could have been doing these things when he was the mayor of Tallahassee. He could have been doing this prior to him running for governor. I don't know. But I know a lot of people don't win election office and they don't turn up in a hotel room with a sex worker and bags of drugs laying around. Come on, y'all. Now, I know some people out there, they say that we live in a system of white supremacy, and they say that black men can't be men. We're little boys in the system. Give me a freaking break. I'm a man. I don't know what you are. You can call yourself a boy all day long. I know that's what the white racists used to call um, and probably still do call black men boys. Okay. So you refer to yourself as a boy all you want to. I'm a man. I'm a man. So, um, and Mr. Gilliam, I don't know how he referred to himself, but I suspect he thinks he refers to himself as a man too. I don't think he's going to call himself a little boy too immature to make logical decisions and and what have you and again age doesn't matter people make mistakes like that and I'm not angry with Mr. Gillum I feel sorry for him I feel sorry for his wife I hope she's able to to shield his small children from this I hope when she goes out in public people aren't yelling stuff at her in the company of those whether she's by herself or with her children I feel sorry for all parties involved. But what I'm not going to do is sit up here and say, the only reason this story came out and they published them photos was because of racism. And then you got these sellout black conservatives and they talking about it. And that's the only reason they talking about it because they trying to get next to white power. Well, you know what? The Democratic Party, white people control it. Now, I know Barack Obama does have a powerful position within the uh, within the Democratic Party, but the money is what really rules, you know, uh, what, what did Dave used to say when he would cite that, um, cite a rap lyric, cash cream or cash runs everything around me. And we know most of the billionaire donors, and I'm probably sure that Robert Johnson probably gives them money. He's a black billionaire. Oprah gives him money. She's a black billionaire. So it's the money. It's the money. But I would say though, the power, the majority of the power players is in the Democratic Party. Are they snuggling up to white power? Was he snuggling up to white power when he, you know, said what he said with APAC in mind? Because APAC. You know, uh, Jews come in many different colors. You got white Jews, you got African um, Jews, which are black Jews. Just look at some of them pictures of them black Jews marching in Israel because they being having racism practice against them. So was Mr. Gillum snuggling up to white power? You tell me, okay? Now, it, it goes on, let me see how much long because. Um, let me just read the rest of these paragraphs. Seabury, a high school teacher, that's the other person who wrote the open letter and asking other black men to sign. I mean, why, why are you trying to put it on black men? See, they trying to make black men look like we homophobic or something. That's what that is. And I know there are black men who are homophobic, but there are white men who are homophobic. There are black women who are homophobic. There are are white women who are homophobic. There are Hispanic people who are homophobic. But that's what it seemed like they're trying to do in spotlighting black men. What? Why not just have the general public, ask for the general public to sign this letter of support? So let me read the rest of this. Seabury, a high school science teacher and advisor in Clayton County, Georgia, in Mitcham, also used a letter to appeal to black men to be more supportive of each other in their times of need. Well, guess what? I'm supportive of black men and women who are in the most inhumane situation in the United States, behind those bars, behind those bars. How much do y'all talk about prison slavery? How much do y'all write about prison slavery? How much advocacy do you do for prisoners, men or women? boys or girls, because they got, they got kitty prisons too. Okay? Fellow black men, quote, this is from the article, fellow black men, allow this letter to be a reminder that we too must be allowed the space to explore, mess up, reevaluate ourselves and become anew. The letter earnestly says in part, unfortunately, the world often decides our fate Based upon our trials, while white men are regularly afforded afforded myriad opportunities and spaces to fail, failure often backed by a system that protects them and incentivizes this dangerous cycle. We have the power to change that. No, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I voted for Bernie Sanders, but they allowed Biden to fail his way to the nomination. It's not over yet. Okay, Bernie Sanders still in the race. He does mathematically, while visually it doesn't look like he got a chance, but mathematically he still has a chance. And Biden can drop out or drop dead, whichever one. So, you know, Biden did all this harm to black people are y'all writing articles asking black boomers how could y'all vote for Joe Biden he locked up your sons and daughters he had your grandkids up in prison he put all these killer cops on the block no what I'm seeing from black corporate media writers and stuff is being very supportive of Joe Biden the racist white man I don't know if he's changed his ways, but I know them laws is still on the books and the system that he helped create is still going strong. United States still leads the world in in prison population. Later, the portion of the letter reserved for the media held no punches. We should not be shocked at you. The media would fetishize a black life for clickbait, likes, and shares for anything the letter says in part. Black life in moments of pain and terror has long been delectable to the American palate. While acknowledging that Gillum's incident was newsworthy because he is a public figure, the letter argued that coverage should not be done in such a salacious way In the terrorizing of black life must not be the primary entree. Come on, man. Give me a freaking break, man. Give me a break. I bet you I can go to News One site right now and go to their entertainment section and pull up photos of half-naked black women. I bet you I can. Is that okay? As long as it's women, we can exploit their bodies right Look, man, I don't even want to read the rest of this because it's just ridiculous. Sharing photos of Mayor Gillum's naked body. See, I didn't even know about those photos till you told me about them. So now I'm like, yeah, um, if I'm just in a room getting drunk, talking to a friend, I'm, I'm you know not going to take my clothes off. So what did that lead you to believe? The circumstantial evidence. But it, I digress. Sharing photos of Mayor Gillum's naked body, especially in such a vulnerable state, is inexcusable and triggering to a community that has seen our bodies fetishized and or slain across the nation from the lynching tree to Main Street. Quite frankly, we are sick of seeing black bodies become a call of fame and subject of your headlines. Look, y'all, y'all produced them same headlines. I'm sick and tired of black media supporting killer black radio. I'm sick of people's ears being subjected to black rappers rapping about putting shooting somebody in the face, okay? Uh, I'm sick of hearing about black rappers rapping about running a train on our daughters. Y'all not know what a train is for those that's, that's a little bit been sheltered all their lives, <laughs> um, and I'm not picking at you. But running a train is where a woman is bent over and dudes stand in line waiting they turn. That's called running a train. And you'll hear that type of language being promoted, those type of scenarios being promoted in black music. You hear these people calling it out? No. The only person I know where's well, a few people I know. But I can count them on two fingers. I mean on two hands. I can count them. Mainstream corporate media, mm, nope, nope. And then, every time a cop, whether they be black, white, or Hispanic, brutalizes a black person, y'all sharing them videos by the millions, ain't y'all? And you publishing them on your website. I see that one thing I can't stand. I can't stand a hypocrite. I can't stand hypocrisy. I can't stand people who try to manipulate emotions. Dude, this is clickbait. This is race porn clickbait. This is what this is. And you know good and well that the media been trying to find Donald Trump's pee tapes for 4 years now. You know, we we, we were told that the Russians got some some uh video of Trump in Russia at a hotel room with prostitutes or I shouldn't say prostitutes but sex workers peeing on him giving him a golden shower y'all know y'all been searching for that and don't tell me if you came across it you wouldn't be publishing it and sharing it or pointing to people to where it's published at linking to it you know you would you know you would and this is no defense of Donald Trump anything he may or may have not done but I can't stand hypocrites I can't if Donald Trump if somebody you know uh, came to a room and Donald Trump was in there with his render man and drugs was on the floor don't tell me y'all ain't gonna publish them photos cause you are but then you wanna target black conservatives and I, you know, I ain't got, I ain't got a lot of love for a lot of these black conservatives because they, you know, they hypocrites too. And they sell out for butter biscuits on the Republican plantation, just like neoliberal black Democrats do the same. I'm an objective pundit. I don't take sides. I try to tell it like I see it, and hopefully, the way I see it is more truth than fiction. So, that, that goes. I'm seeing people uh, posting talking about Candace Owens. There's an investigation into how did how did the media end up with these photos of naked bodies. And, you know, there was also a white-naked man in there. They were publishing on too. See, that that's the part that, <laughs> never mind, I digress. I think I made my point. <clears throat> but people, some black people are claiming that black conservative pundit Candace Owens is behind the release of the photos and they're calling for her to be penalized. Why? Why? If you had something like this on Donald Trump, or Ron DeSantis or Ted Cruz or or Mitch McConnell, y'all wouldn't hesitate to be publishing it. You know it's true. You know it's true. This is this is how you lose credibility. This is how you lose respect, or at least my respect, is being a hypocrite. Why is she why y'all want her to be punished? This part of her job, ain't it? That's part of her job description. I may not agree with her job, but she ain't doing nothing illegal. The police leak stuff to the media all the time. TMZ buys buys uh, video and stuff from people all the time, including the police. Why do you think we have a paparazzi? So why, what did Candace Owens do? You may not agree with what she did, But why do you want her to be punished? For what? Don't make no sense. So the Miami Beach police are investigating the photo leak of um, the Andrew Gillum Hotel incident. All right. Now, I'm going to close out this story with this before we hit another music break. As I stated earlier, Bernie Sanders campaigned for Andrew Gillum. But it did not stop Mr. Gillum from playing politics in favor of Joe Biden because of Sanders' accurate statement on Castro's literacy program. So if y'all don't know, Bernie Sanders did an interview with 60 Minutes and was asked a question about Cuba, and I ain't even watch it, but, you know, I heard about it. And i seen little clips about it, but, you know, I don't even know why. I think it was Anderson Cooper who asked him about it, and he said, you know, um, we just can't, and I'm paraphrasing, we just can't dog out Castro and Cuba for everything. You know, when Castro came to power, he educated the people. And as I said on a past, uh, past podcast, man, he must've been a very bad dictator because dictators usually want their population that they are ruling over to be uneducated as possible. They don't give them free school all the way up to college. I mean, including college. They don't give them free medical training. They don't do none of that kind of stuff. They don't give them free health care. They don't teach them how to read. They don't teach them mathematics. So he must have been a terrible dictator. Now, you could say that he was an authoritarian figure. Well, strictly by the definition of the word, I would agree with you. But don't tell me that we don't live under authoritarian government with a whole bunch of dictators. This nation was founded as an authoritarian entity. You don't believe me? Weren't they practicing slavery? Yes, they were. You can't get more authoritarian than slavery. Did they also deny women the right to vote, the right to own land? when they incorporated this nation? Well, I don't think they incorporated it until the 1800s, but when they founded this nation, did they not deny women rights? It don't get no more authoritarian than that. The drug war is the reason we have the world's largest prison population filled with the majority of people are people like Andrew Gillum, and his friends, or I don't know what the other man was using or used drugs, but the one that was uh, escort and a porn star, he's the one that OD. so we know he used them for certain, okay? How authoritarian is that, to be putting people in prison because of what they choose to do with their body and what they choose to put into their body? You no, know, there's a group called law enforcement against prohibition that thinks all drugs should be legalized. Yeah, we still arresting people for marijuana possession or marijuana trafficking. Don't get more authoritarian than that. But you know, Andrew was piling on with the rest of the people on Bernie Sanders just week a week or so before this happened to him and saying how, oh, Biden's going to run away with Florida because of what Sanders said about Castro's uh, literacy program and what have you, because we got a bunch of the and I'm paraphrasing, I'm just, now I'm speaking with my own voice or using my own words. Gillum didn't say this, but I'm saying it because, oh, we got these old racist non-black Cubans down here that fled um, Cuba when... The majority of the people rose up against that brutal, murderous dictator, Batista. And they came here to the United States after Kennedy wouldn't support their little Bay of Pigs operation. Okay, So. I feel I feel sorry for Mr. Gillum, but this is a self-inflicted wound. He don't strike me as no dumb person, but people make mistakes. But this, this ain't got nothing, no aspect of it has to do with racism. Now, if they had arrested him and said he was the one that gave the man the drugs and let the OD white man go, yeah, that's re- that we could easily see racism in that. But nobody got arrested. Everybody got to go home. So where's the racism? And then using this these trigger words. Y'all the one to be triggering trauma in people and making people think something's racist when it's not. I'm I'm not I think I've made my point. I'm not going to belabor this story anymore. And unless there is something, you know, drastic that comes out, I probably won't ever talk about this story again. Okay? But we need to end the drug war. We also need people to be safe out there when they having sex and protect themselves because, you know, um, a lot of unsuspecting wives and girlfriends got infected with HIV because we had these men living in public like they were straight, but they was on the down low Having, having sex with other men and and spreading it and giving people, innocent people, HIV. I hope Miss Gillum gets tested and I hope she's negative. Hope that test come back negative. I hope he's able to get his life together after, you know, he gets his rehab or whatever. But these dudes that's writing this open letter and this guy that's writing this race porn Y'all can miss me with this crap. All right, so you're listening to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. Um, I don't have a regular schedule for this program, so um, you can become a subscriber by going to blacktalkradionetwork.com, make a donation of, of any amount, make a monthly donation of any amount, and we'll put you in a subscriber list, and that way you'll get an email whenever a program, not just my program, but any program is scheduled on the network, okay? So um, we only exist because of you, because of donors. And we have very, very few donors, less than 200. Um, and, and and so, and we appreciate them very much, but uh, we need more, we need more just to maintain, not even to expand, but just to maintain what we have but if you have a question or comment when we come back on the other side of this music break um we'll take your call hear your comment and answer any questions so that's 704-802-5056 hit the star key twice but watch your background noise all right um we're gonna hit it off with some gap band you dropped a bomb on me we'll be right back on the other You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. I'm not a Wu-Tanga. I don't know what that means, but uh, yeah. Listening to Black Talk Radio News, that was Renee and Angela. I'll be good to you. Uh, Another one of my favorites Um, All I'm going to play is my favorites, though. If I don't like it, I'm not going to play it. But anyway, you're listening to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. It's about three minutes after 10 p.m. on March 25th in the year 2020. Now, what's in that stimulus, coronavirus stimulus? $2 trillion deal on the coronavirus stimulus. But ain't nobody telling us how they going to pay for it, right? And y'all know, uh, y'all know I'm being cynical. Uh, Yeah, because that's what we, how you going to pay for free? Um, Well, it wasn't really free because the uh, uh, Wall Street traders were going to pay for it. But how you going to give tuition-free college at public colleges in universities, you know, little community colleges like Gaston County, you know, um, where a lot of people don't, a lot of high school students don't go to higher education because they can't afford it, okay? How you gonna pay for this $2 trillion coronavirus stimulus? We're not hearing none of them questions right now. And some of y'all probably was saying it, tell the truth, shame the devil. Was y'all saying that? When Bernie Sanders was talking about his his housing for all plan, was y'all talking about? How you gonna pay for it? How you gonna get all these homeless people off the street? How, how you gonna give them affordable housing? How you going to give people health care? How you going to pay for it? Oh, you're going to pay for it with a payroll tax. And I'm still going to be paying less in taxes in that payroll tax than what I'm paying out in premiums and, and out-of-pocket expenses and deductibles. I tell you, man, a lot of people, Malcolm wasn't kidding when he said media's most powerful entity on the face of the planet. It can make the innocent look guilty and make the guilty look innocent and that's power. And if you're not careful, the newspapers will have you hating the oppressed and loving the oppressors. A lot of us be talking like we out of our minds, man. How are we going to pay for it? The massive legislation includes direct payments, an expansion of unemployment insurance and loans for small businesses. This is an article coming to you, and I'm just going to share the ha- highlight from Vox.com. The Senate has struck a two-trillion-dollar deal on the coronavirus stimulus. Here's what's in it. So, I'm. Um, it was a very long article, so I'm just going to go to. The highlights, but as I stated at the top of the program, Trump still ain't signed it unless he signed it since I came on air. Um, but they write there is still a ways to go until the bill lands on President Donald Trump's desk, ready to be signed. But the biggest hurdle has now been cleared. What the plan includes a 500 billion loan program for businesses, the biggest sticking point between Democrats and Republicans throughout the negotiation was $500 billion in emergency loans both for large businesses and municipalities grappling with the coronavirus outbreak. For instance, $50 billion of that money was allotted to passenger airlines, according to the Washington Post. Rather than trying to negotiate that figure down, Democrats instead negotiated to have strings attached to it. Instead of giving the Trump administration broad discretion to make the loans, Schumer and Pelosi said There will likely, and see, I don't like that word, likely, because when they say likely, a lot of times it don't manifest. That's not saying there will. There's a difference between Schumer and Pelosi saying there will be a new inspector general in the Treasury Department specifically to oversee these funds, as opposed to what they are saying in this article, said there will likely be a new inspector general as well as a congressional oversight panel to examine how the money is being used. Schumer's office also announced they secured a provision that will prohibit businesses controlled by the president, the vice president, and members of Congress and heads of executive departments from receiving loans or investments from treasury programs. The children, spouses, or in-laws or lawmakers and executive officials also cannot receive these loans. Now, you know, if it ends up that's what it's going to be, then that's a great provision. A slew of additional conditions championed by progressives and supported by the public included a requirement for companies to implement a $15 minimum wage have not made it into the final legislation. Because you know what? Because, because... Establishment Democrats, don't, they don't want $15 an hour as a minimum wage. Hillary Clinton told you all she's willing to go is to 12, okay? And no more, not a penny more. So, uh, but progressives are the ones who champion that, and I, I'm willing to bet you a dime to a dollar that Pelosi doesn't, and Schumer doesn't support that. Um, Unemployment insurance on steroids. Schumer announced Monday afternoon that unemployment insurance will be expanded to grapple with a new surge in claims, calling it unemployment insurance on steroids. The new bill will increase unemployment insurance by $600 per week for four months. This money is in addition to what states pay as a base unemployment salary. This benefit would extend to gig economy workers, freelancers, and furloughed workers who are still getting health insurance from their employers but are not receiving a paycheck. Expanded funds for hospitals, medical equipment, and health care worker protections. In a statement, Schumer reported to Senate Democrats that the latest bill will contain $150 billion for hospitals treating coronavirus patients of that money 100 billion will go to hospitals 1 billion will go to the Indian health service and the remainder will be used to increase medical equipment capacity uh, Increase aid to state and local governments. Schumer also said about $150 billion of federal money would be allocated for state and local governments who are dealing with the impacts of the crisis in their local communities, including $8 billion for tribal governments. Uh, direct payments to adults below a certain income threshold. The legislation would include a one-time $1,200 check that will be sent to most adults making $75,000 or less annually according to past tax returns. A $500 payment will also be sent to cover every child in qualifying households. The final policy marks a significant change from the direct payments initially proposed by Republicans, which will have given less to many individuals who do not have taxable income. It now includes the majority of adults who are under the $75,000 threshold and phases the payment out as people's incomes increase. Loans to small businesses. There will be $367 billion in the bill aimed at providing loans for small businesses, according to the Washington Post. What comes next? The Senate still needs to approve the deal in a vote when 60 lawmakers will have to vote in favor of it to pass. That will happen Wednesday, McConnell told reporters. The package will then head over to the House, where Democrats also have their own $2.5 trillion economic stimulus bill, which Pelosi unveiled on Monday. In order to proceed expeditiously, it's quite possible the House will simply take up the Senate deal rather than going to conference to hash out differences between the two chambers, so um, nothing set in stone, but that is what's being reported on what um, they allegedly Republicans and Democrats have been able to agree on. Now, let's get to some crazy, 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 crazy people in government. All right, um, I'm not gonna say they're crazy, but I'm gonna call them psychopaths or sociopaths. I'm not sure the exact terminology, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist, so I'm saying that, of course, tongue-in-cheek. But anyway, did y'all hear this guy? Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. No, that's not the Dan Patrick that hosts the Sports Talk radio show on ESPN. No, it's a different Dan Patrick. Um, But he says the U.S. should get back to work by sacrificing the old. Okay, those are my words now. Um, This is a very short clip, and I'm going to let you hear what he told Tucker Carlson the other night on Tucker Carlson's show on Fox News.
3: No one reached out to me and said, uh, as a senior citizen, uh, are you willing to take a chance on your survival in exchange for... Keeping the America that all America loves for your children and grandchildren, and if that's the exchange I'm all in There are lots of grandparents out there in this country like me. I have six grandchildren that What we all care about and what we love more than anything are those children I don't want the whole country to be sacrificed as best as we can to distance ourselves from each other particularly if you
0: are within a group that are at higher okay i'm gonna stop it there but that's very short i couldn't find the full clip and but people are saying and i didn't really get that i'm gonna have to get the whole clip um and i couldn't find it on youtube i tried but i couldn't find it i also looked in a couple of articles and they clipped it But they're interpreting what he said as sacrificing the old because basically what he's saying is we don't want to shut down businesses in Texas. We want to keep going business as usual. And even if that means that uh, people are going to die, then especially elderly people. But again, it's not just elderly people who are dying from this. So, you know, it's people with other uh, uh, preconditions and what have you um, that are also uh, high risk to fatalities, uh, as it relates to COVID-19. So I tell you, man, like I said at the start of the program, what he's basically saying is we want to save capitalism. I want, I don't want my, I want my grandchildren to have the same capitalist, uh, wealth in, uh, inequality that we see now that I'm enjoying and to have, I'm gonna I'm have and then we got the have-nots and we just wanna keep this system in place. We don't wanna have socialism. We don't wanna have free college tuition um, for those who can't afford college at state public uh, uh, colleges and universities. We don't want housing for all. Housing ain't a human right, Okay. If you get put out on the street because you're living paycheck to paycheck and and you miss a payment or something happened, emergency come up and you're not able to to pay and you get evicted and you're living out on the street, so be it, you know, uh, that's just how it is. That's how it is. Okay. Uh, We don't want everybody to have health care. That's socialist. We don't want to be like Cuba. Okay. Um, We don't want to guarantee health care as a human right. Um, you know, bump that stuff Bernie Sanders pushing. No, we, we, we want to have millions without insurance. And, you know, uh, if they die, so be it, whatever. Okay. Um, also, he's not the only one with this sort of mentality. We got Naples fire chief in Florida calling on Florida governor, um, Santis or what is his name? DeSantis, uh, Governor DeSantis, to issue a shelter in place order. Now, again, as I stated at the program, at the beginning of the program, Charlotte Mecklenburg County just issued, you know, that and said the police are able to enforce it. Um, They may give you a ticket. If you're very uncooperative and get belligerent and don't want to go back to your house and you want to talk about liberty and freedom in the constitution during this pandemic, then we may throw you in jail. You don't want to go to jail because we just recirculate the air in jail. And if anybody in jail got COVID-19, uh, that just increases your chances of getting it too. All right. So uh, the Naples fire chief is calling on the governor to issue a shelter in place order.
1: Several states have ordered people to stay indoors unless they absolutely have to leave for things like food, medicine or a job that's considered essential. Now, Florida's not one of those states as of tonight, but the Naples fire chief is hoping our state will make that change soon, meaning more restrictions for you. Thanks for joining us. I'm Patrick Nolan.
6: And I'm Jane Monreal. This morning, the chief wrote an email to Governor Ron DeSantis, actually asking that our governor place our state under a shelter-in-place order to help curb the spread of COVID-19. Fox 4's Rochelle Aline spoke with him about that decision, also has a response from the governor.
1: She joins us now from the Naples Fire Department with that story. Rochelle.
6: Chief Maria says he doesn't
7: want to lock people inside of their homes, but he does hope that by restricting unnecessary travel for just a little while, it'll help cut down on the spread of coronavirus and keep everyone safe, especially those who are most vulnerable. With a few strikes of his keyboard on Monday, Naples Fire Chief Pete De Maria sent a small message with a pretty big impact to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis.
2: We, we applaud his efforts so far. We just think this next step is what we need to see put in place to, to further prevent the spread of this public health crisis.
7: The message asks DeSantis to consider placing the state under a shelter-in-place order. De Maria says too many people are choosing to ignore suggestions to be physically and socially distant from others, and he's worried this will only contribute to the spread of COVID-19 in the state of Florida.
2: Shelter-in-place is only moving around for essential needs. So if you need groceries or you need medicine, one family member uh, from the household should go out and run those errands and then return to the home.
7: Have you gotten a response yet?
2: I have not gotten a response from the governor, and I don't, I don't anticipate that he will respond back to me.
7: But Fox 4 got plenty of responses when we shared the chief's plea on our Facebook page earlier today. The comments seem split with people for and against the request.
2: We just see New York. They've issued a a shelter in place for the entire state. You know, shouldn't Florida do that? And after our
7: interview in Naples, we also heard a response from the governor himself. He's against the idea.
2: You are consigning a number, probably hundreds of thousands of Floridians to lose their jobs, um, you're throwing their lives into uh, potential disarray. It's also not clear to me that doing a, a massive shutdown of the entire state would even work.
7: DeSantis went on to say that since the spread of COVID-19 isn't even across the state, he is more focused on locking down hotspots like Broward and Miami-Dade counties. <sighs> added that New York's shelter in place was having a direct impact on our state, which is why he's ordered anyone coming from there or New Jersey to be quarantined for 14 days.
2: People started leaving. They started going to other states. Um, and actually, many of them have been taking flights to Florida.
7: In Naples, Rochelle Aline Fox 4, in your corner.
0: Okay, so a couple of things there. That fire chief is wrong. Now, you just heard the mm. talk about other people Coming from their states, coming to Florida, coming from New York. Oh, was they coming down there for spring break because you refused to close the beaches, Mr. DeSantis? Because you were so worried about the tourist industry losing all that money and you allowed them to congregate on the beaches by the thousands. And then after three days, then you talking about, okay, the party's over when these young people wasn't adhering, hearing, um, you know, to do the social distancing. And then this, this man, this man going to say, well, I'm not convinced that social distancing uh, will stop anything or stop the spread of the virus. Now I played a clip earlier where they were comparing the nineteen, the eighteen twelve Spanish flu um, to co- uh, coronavirus, and what did they say happened? They gave you two cities: St. Louis in nineteen eighteen during the length of that pandemic implemented social distancing, okay, and San Francisco did not. St. Louis had had uh, it worked in St. Louis; very few as compared to San Francisco, got sick. A lot of people were in San Francisco, all they were wearing were the mask. they weren't practicing social distancing, but they was going about business as usual, and they had high casualties. So this is sort of like those people who they say, you know, deny climate change because they don't believe the scientists or what. Now, that's junk science. Is that what Mr. DeSantis is saying? And what it sounds like he's saying or implying, this social distancing is junk science. And we don't want to cause people to lose their jobs. We don't want to cause businesses to have to shut down and all of that. Well, you know, that's what this $2 trillion package is supposed to be about. And then Florida has, I would say, I don't know for sure, but we've heard, I've heard this, you know, basically all of my adult, adult life that Florida is a hot spot for retired elderly people. Again, though, COVID-19 is claiming fatalities between the ages of 20 to 50 as well. A teenager in, in California just died today from it. And there was a baby that died as well from, from COVID-19. But this guy is doing a horrible job. A very, very horrible job. And going back to our earlier story, I I wish Mr. Uh, Gillum didn't do what he did and get caught up in what he got caught up because this dude, DeSantis, is showing himself for an idiot as an idiot and, you know, the village idiot or the state idiot. And it might have been a shoe in for Gillum. If he would have been, you know, doing what Sanders is doing In issuing his own COVID 19, you know, uh, videos and recommendations and calling on DeSantis to shut it down and what have you. But he did what he did. He got caught in what he got caught up in. And that seems unlikely. I I tell you, man. Um, But this guy is the state idiot, DeSantis. Social distancing, I'm not convinced it works. See, this? Is, they say money is the root of all evil. They, it's not that they say it, but the Bible says it. R- money, the love of money, I should say. Not money, because money is just an inanimate object or currency. It's just a piece of paper, all right? But it's the love of that piece of paper. It's the love of that currency that's the root of all evil. And that's what we're hearing out of Texas, and that's what we're hearing out of Florida, that making money is more important than keeping people safe. That's what we're hearing. There's no denying it. That's what I heard. I don't know. I know uh, people can listen to the same thing and walk away with different opinions on what they heard. That seems impossible, but it happens. And they'll argue about it all day long. But, uh, you know, according to to my comprehension level um, or my comprehension skills. That's what I comprehended him to be saying. All right. I do have one more story um, that I'm going to get to after we take another music break. Okay. We got some Tom Tom Club Genius of Love coming up and we got some Shalomar. Make that move. You're listening to Black Talk Radio News with Scotty Reed on the Black Talk Radio Network which is managed by the non profit Black Talk Media Project, do not let coronavirus kill this platform. Please donate. Um donations are tax deductible. However much you can afford, we understand we're in an extraordinary time with a lot of people out of work and I'm doing my best to to, you know, cut cut cost um as I can without sacrificing quality, but um I Hey, if I don't got the budget, then I have to make those cuts so but um we're we're just gonna believe in um the provider, the great provider, my faith, um that God is going to provide a way you know for us to keep going and provide that funding, so maybe it'll touch some people's hearts out there um that will give that have it to give if you don't have it, don't give it. Don't put yourself out there like that um you know, we're in the midst of a pandemic right now. All right, so I got a very important story, so don't go anywhere um, after this music break. It'll be my final story of the night, and um, and then I will bid you up, and I do. Time, time, Club, genius of love. Charlamagne, that's Shalamar, one of my all-time favorite groups. It's a trio, uh, Jody Wadley. Man, Jody Wadley nothing but grace and beauty, man. I, I love me some Jody Wiley. Um And I loved her music even after Shalomar broke up and she went out on her own. I think she won a Grammy for a uh, New Artist. Um, you know, when she went solo, um, a former soul-trained dancer with one of the other uh, members of the group. But I remember, man, I had all... I used to buy... Um, vinyl back in the day back in the day man and I had just about all the Sh- uh records um, again you know I don't listen to nothing but old school because this new school stuff the auto tunes I'm just not feeling it I'm just not feeling it now you know there may be an artist here or there but I don't listen to the radio to, to even know these songs or, or, or what have you but I'll, I'll just stick with my old school hip hop and R&B so this last story uh, concerning coronavirus is very important. Again, all of these articles are linked up for you in btrcommunity.com. A private social media network um, set up just for you, just for you. Um, we got those prying eyes and spying eyes out there on Facebook and Twitter and other places. At least on Twitter, you can use a pseudonym or something on Facebook. Um, there are ways to getting around it, but still, you know a lot of people be posting stuff that they shouldn't be posting um because your HR department might be watching um okay so anyway CDC says the coronavirus RNA found in the princess cruise ship cabins up to 17 days after passengers left so 17 days after the people left now this is one of the cruise ships I'm not sure which one um but was docked on the California coast because I talked about it on uh, Angel's show uh, who is our resident epidemiologist on Victims to victorious, focusing on gun violence pandemics. Um, but um, I had asked her if as she had heard about that Teamster, uh, president of that chapter um, who, who they were tasked with cleaning, um, cleaning this ship and removing stuff. Well, not cleaning it, but removing the stuff. And, and the um, the cruise ship company wanted to take the trash and stuff to a local landfill. And he was like, no, man, th- you trying to infect our communities. You know, you trying to spread this. Y'all don't know that much about the coronavirus. You don't know if an animal like a rat or a stray dog or something can pick it up and transmit it to a human being. So, no, that's not proper. Okay. Uh, but now they're saying up to 17 days after the passengers left that the virus was still surviving on the surfaces so I, I just uh, copy and pasted some of the highlights Corona virus RNA survived up to 17 days aboard the Diamond Princess cruise ship lasting far longer on surfaces than previous research has shown according to new data published Monday by the Center's for Disease Control and Prevention. The study examined the Japanese and U.S. government efforts to contain the COVID-19 outbreaks on the Carnival-owned Diamond Princess ship in Japan and the Grand Princess ship in California. Passengers and crew on both ships were quarantined on board at the previous guests, who didn't have any symptoms while aboard each of the ship's tested positive for COVID-19 after landing ashore. The RNA, the genetic material of the virus that causes COVID-19, was identified on a variety of surfaces in cabins of both symptomatic and asymptomatic. The difference is one showing symptom and another person isn't showing the symptoms, but they are infected. So symptomatic and asymptomatic infected passengers up to seventeen days after the cabins were vacated on the Diamond Princess, but before disinfection procedures had been conducted, the researchers wrote, adding that the finding doesn't necessarily mean the virus spread by surface. So again, like I keep telling people, that's why they call this the Novel. Coronavirus It's a new virus in that family of viruses. And so they don't know, but the guidelines are, you know, to disinfect common areas. Like if you live in a house or, or if you, I guess out in a business or something and they have them shut it down, like Florida, like Texas and a China, you know, uh, keep making money during the pandemic and leaving these businesses open, um, you're supposed to disinfect the common areas and you can use Lysol, they have them in wipes and and stuff like that. Um, So this thing is lasting 17 days on surfaces. And they don't know if a person can catch it by touching an infected surface. The CDC said researchers couldn't determine Whether transmission occurred from contaminated surfaces and that further study of COVID-19 spread through touching surfaces on cruise ships was warranted. COVID-19 on cruise ships poses a risk for rapid spread of disease causing outbreaks in a vulnerable population and aggressive efforts are required to contain spread, the CDC wrote, reiterating its guidance to vulnerable populations To avoid cruises during the pandemic. All right. So that brings us to the end of the program. I hope this program uh, provided you with some constructive information as well as some relaxing tunes because we don't want people out there panicking and living in fear. Okay. If it's your time to go, it's your time to go. Just make peace with that. But if it ain't your time to go, can't nothing take you up out of here. But use common sense and follow the guidelines. And practice social distancing. If you have to go out in public, wash your hands for 30 seconds, okay? Uh, when you come back in, while you're out, don't touch your face, don't rub your eyes. Uh, that's particularly hard for children, I, I know, right? Um, but don't touch, rubbing your eyes, touching your face, wiping your nose with your hand, coughing into your hands and stuff. Don't, don't, don't follow, um, Biden's example, because he had to be corrected the other night on the proper way to cough. You cough into your elbow, okay? You cough into your elbow, or if you got a handkerchief or something like that, cough into it. Don't cough into the air or into your hand. Then you go shaking hands with somebody. Uh, Ben Carson did the same thing during his press conference. He coughed in his hand, then with the scratch in his nose. Come on, man, you're a neurosurgeon. You should know better. You was in the medical field. I know that's not the same field. You're not a, uh, what do they call it, a virologist. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but you didn't work with infectious diseases or nothing like that. You was just a brain surgeon, did operations and stuff, but come on, man. You ought to have a basic understanding on how uh, viruses spread. So don't follow their example. Don't touch your face, period, Okay. And one more thing, you don't necessarily need these medical masks. I was reading an article from the Boston Globe today uh, that Rona, uh, one of my Facebook friends, had shared, and it was saying, and something I had already suspected for common sense, um, and something that my daughter had been doing with my grandson, uh, just put a scarf over your nose, in your mouth, okay? You know, like a bandana or something, you can even wear a ski mask, And and if you're really, really, you know, uh, concerned about rubbing your eyes and you don't have that kind of self-control, put some goggles on. Uh, But anyway, just take this serious. Follow the guidelines, okay? Because you may survive it, but the person you give it to may not. So we are not just responsible for our own health and welfare in this pandemic, but the health and welfare of those around us. And so I don't want to be that person to give my mama something or give anybody, you know, something. And and then they end up dying from it. All right. So I don't know when I'll be back on air. I know for sure I'll be on air Sunday night with new abolitionist radio at nine o'clock. We follow uh, Time for Awakening, which comes on at 7 p.m. Eastern on the Black Talk Radio Network. I stress again, you know, because of this, I suspect, I don't know for sure, but because of this uh, extended pandemic and people um, losing hours at work and they haven't gotten the coronavirus stimulus, our donations have been low, you know, since this thing started. Some people had to suspend their donations. I totally understand. Um, But, you know, if you are able to give, please do any amount will help. With that said, y'all be safe out there. Peace and blessings to all.